Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Hebrews chapter 11, Great Heroes of Faith, part 3. How's your faith doing today? How's your faith doing today? You remember as we began this journey in Hebrews 11, your faith is no better than who you've placed that faith in. And if you've placed your faith, your hope, your trust in the one true king, the everlasting God, the author of life, the creator of the universe, the one who was and is and is to come, the great I am, if you've placed your faith and your hope and your trust in him, you will not be disappointed. If you've placed your faith, your hope, and your trust in anyone or anything else, you will be disappointed. It's only a matter of time. That disappointment may range from small to very large, but only God is capable of being completely and totally faithful. Amen? Amen? Very important context to what remains here in Hebrews chapter 11. And so as we pick up in verse 13 and down to verse 22, in our third installment of our great heroes of faith, would you pray with me? And we'll ask the Lord to use his word to strengthen our faith. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for those moments when it seems like everything in the world is crashing down. Those times when we just have no idea what's going to happen or where we're going to go, how we're going to find ourselves even in the morning. We thank you that you are faithful. Lord, even when we are faithless. And so God, we give you this time Please be our faithful God who speaks to us faithfully, teach us your truth, cause us to walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 13 begins referring back to those great heroes that we've already looked at, Enoch, Rahab, Abraham. All these died in faith. Now I think that's so important. All of these died in faith. Remember that not one of those people that we've already seen here in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, none of them saw Jesus. None of them were alive on this earth when the king came. Not one of them had those deep and abiding promises come to fruition while they still had breath in their lungs. In fact, the promises that were made to them came to fruition after they died. All these died in faith. Remember that faith has substance. 
that faith has evidence that it's real. They died in real faith, and real faith is always tested. You won't be able to live a life of faith on this earth without it being tested. And in fact, so important is that, that it actually is the source, very often, of the deepest completion of spiritual things in your life. When your faith is tested, it leaves you complete and lacking nothing. But if your faith isn't tested, then you do not know the depth of that faith. But when it is tested, you're much quicker to say yes and amen to those greater steps of faith. When you've seen God's hand, when you've invited him, to work in your life by faith, and he shows up, you have no problem saying yes to the things of the Lord because you know that he is faithful. Having not received the promises, but having seen them afar off, we're assured of them. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for and yet not seen. It has substance and evidence. And they embrace them. I want you to notice the positive affirmations here. Received them, seen them afar off, assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Churches, we scroll through our news feed on our phones. It's pretty tough to envision having a lot of faith in what's going on in our world right now. Amen? It's like, it, it's like bad news after bad news after bad news followed by more bad news. It, it, it's, if, if you're looking to this earth, then you right now are having your faith radically shaken. If you're looking to our government, your faith is radically shaken. If your faith and hope and trust is in something other than the Lord God of heaven, I'm pretty sure your faith is trembling right now. And there's a lot to tremble over. And so to that end, these Old Testament saints understood that they were citizens of another world, another country. They were pilgrims while they were here. We're about to celebrate Thanksgiving. When the pilgrims came, largely the reason that they came was to escape religious persecution in Europe. But when they landed, they did not exactly gain all that much. You read the actual true story, they nearly died the first winter. You can imagine, it's like, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to the promised land. Well, America wasn't the promised land either. We have to be careful because as believers, no matter where we reside, no matter how blessed we are in the country that we reside in, no matter how many freedoms we may possess individually, we are still pilgrims and sojourners on this earth. 
This is not our home. We have another home. And it's a much better home. And that's the focus of this faith. These who died in faith were looking to a house that was not made with hands. It was in the heavens. Hence, they could endure most anything while they were still here. Because they knew one day they would go home to their real home. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, another country, a place to call home. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out. Now, I want you to notice what's being said here. This is one of the great problems we face today in the world. We're so attached to the world that we live in that we forget where we are going. If they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, where was that? Well, for Abraham, it was Haran, Ur of the Chaldees. It was in the middle of the Fertile Crescent. It was in the midst of the most civilized group of people that had existed on the earth at the time. He came from a really good place. To modernize it, Abraham, Abraham lived in Southern California. Think about it for a second. Matter of fact, Abraham lived in a really nice place in Southern California. He had everything that the world had to offer. If he had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. You see, if you are too focused on this world, you may get drawn right back into this world. Because there are many things in this world which we are naturally attracted to in our flesh. If you're not fond of sunsets, I, I'm, there's probably something that's amiss in your mind. If you don't prefer weather that's in the 80s most of the year as opposed to weather that's below zero most of the year, there's something deficient in your thinking. If you're not for having a really nice house of some size and nice vehicles to drive and nice roads to drive on them, there's probably something a little bit off in your thinking. But those things are not and never will be heaven on earth. They're just things. And some days they're good, and other days you're like, man, I wish I lived in a tent. Some days it's like I have everything that I could possibly ever want, and other days I don't have anything that I need. We are by nature people who are unsatisfied. That's who we are internally. There's never enough of anything to satiate the human mind, the human desire for things. So if you want to look backwards towards where you came from, 
back to Egypt, back to Ur, you might just be tempted to head that direction. That's why it's so important for us to forget those things which are behind and look forward to those things which lie ahead. And what lies ahead for us is heaven. Amen? Amen. Plenty of opportunity to go back to Egypt if you want to. And if you dwell on it long enough, you may find yourself heading in that direction. But now that is what they desire is better. That is a heavenly country. And therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. For by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said in Isaac, your seed will be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which also he received him in a figurative sense. Isaac actually came from a dead Abraham and Sarah. Amen? And if God wanted to take him, then Abraham's faith was so great that if you could give us a son in the first place, we believe you can give him back to us. That's faith. That's faith. For those of you that are parents, if you haven't realized your children are not yours, they're God's, let me just tell you right now, your children are not your children, they're God's children. You, you get a little bit of sway in their lives, probably till they're about 12. <laughs> After that, they're going to be smarter than you, more technologically savvy. They'll probably make more money than you by being an influencer on the World Wide Web. Your children are on loan from God. He created them, just as he did you. Abraham understood that. Abraham understood that. And his faith echoed what he believed. Lord, I trust you. I don't understand Church, there's a difference between understanding and expressing faith. So many times in my life, I have not understood why God has had Connie and I take the steps of faith he's had us take. But faith isn't always understanding. Faith is believing there's a difference. I may not have all of the evidence that I would like to have so that I can be comfortable Actually, if you're comfortable, it's probably not all that much faith necessary. But faith cries out to us to step into the uncomfortable things. And when we do, God gives us sufficient faith in that world that is uncomfortable to believe and rest and trust in him. And by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. And by faith Jacob, when he was dying, we also know him as Israel. Amen? The father of the twelve, the nation itself. So when we speak of the Jewish people, their God is the God of Abraham and of Isaac and Jacob, Jacob. That, that's, 
national Israel. That's their heritage. These are the big three. This is like saying Washington, Lincoln, and Jefferson. You know, if you're, if you're looking at the, the U.S. of A., the founders. Well, the founders of the Hebrew people are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. And by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel, and he gave them instructions concerning his bones. Many Christians end up frustrated, actually walking in defeat because their needs, their wants, their expectations, their thoughts, their desires, even at times their demands, are not met by the Lord. If you want to be miserable, walk that way. Because God doesn't guarantee that he's going to give an affirmation that is positive to every single thing that we think we need, want, or desire. In fact, he oftentimes withholds those things because he knows better than we do that we shouldn't have them, even though we desperately want them. He sees beyond the things that we see. And consequently, in the life of someone with little faith, they become impatient. And all of a sudden you find them floundering in their faith. They're no longer really walking with the Lord. They're trying to walk that fine line between Egypt and heaven. And you can't walk that line. You can't have two gods. You can't serve the Lord and you serve yourself or Egypt at the same time. You can only have one God at a time. And while you're walking towards Egypt, you're walking away from God. This is how Christians get themselves in trouble. You see, we don't like the results of waiting in faith. We don't want to wait for our spouse. So we help God out. He'll do. He's got a nice car. He's got eight bucks. He'll work. We help God out. And God's saying, no, I actually have someone for you. And I'm not picking on you ladies because these guys are just as bad. Okay? She'll work. Church, God has a perfect plan for your life. Well, let me express this to you a different way. If God is who he says he is, he is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. In other words, he is in all places, knows all things, and can do all things. Then it is an absolute essential that he has a perfect plan for everything. Otherwise, he isn't those things. If God has a perfect plan and you haven't gotten all the things that you think you want, who do you think is likely behind the fact that you don't have those things? Could it be that God is actually saving you from your poor decisions 
Could it be that he has something so much better for you that he's saying, why don't you give me a little more time? Because in case you hadn't noticed, I have to work the lives of 8 billion people simultaneously. And so it isn't quite as simple as just focusing on you. And your rights and your desires and the things that you want. God is working together all things for the good to those who are called in Christ Jesus. All things. Amen? All things. That promises for the church, by the way. It does not apply in the same way to the rest of the world. It's for Christians. The rest of the world gets what they go after as a general rule. Don't join them. You're going to find it's very unfruitful, probably dangerous. Certainly it will be to your walk. In that sense, our faith becomes the reality of the hope that we have in God's purposes and plans. Our faith is the reality of our hope in God's purposes and plans. That's what it represents to us. It's like, Lord, I know that you know, I know you can do, and I'm going to wait until you tell me that this is what you want for me. Now, does that mean we passively sit on our hands? It does not. But what it does mean is that we do not press so hard towards a given end or goal that we blow right by God when he's holding out the stop sign. We were on a road driving in Switzerland. And the Swiss have some things that they're better at than us. One of them is traffic control around construction sites. They actually put up little individual stoplights at the end of their construction projects. There's no person standing out there with the sign, flipping it around, kind of looking, well, there's eight cars over there, and there's four cars over there. Or like your buddy pulls up in the line, and that line gets to go. That's how we do it here. In Switzerland, it's like it's timed, and they let the cars go from one end. And so we're stopped at the end of this tunnel that's being built and, and this light is red for a very, very, very long time. Well, there's another obviously not European person behind us, because I can tell by the hat that he's wearing. I think it said, unfortunately, LA Dodgers. <laughs> Total disrespect. But he's, he's, like, he's, he's like, you can tell. It's like, I'm not waiting, I'm not waiting. So around me he goes. The light's clearly red. He only got halfway through the tunnel. And then I got to see his brake lights coming back towards us. And then right behind that were several members of the police department. They arrested him, put him in a police car for a traffic violation. You see, impatience... That light turned green about 30 seconds after he came back the one minute from going down the tunnel. And the very same way, church, sometimes we're that close to receiving what God wants for us. The green light is about to go on. 
It's almost ready to turn. And we're like, nope, jump in the line right now. And then you get something you don't want. Be patient and allow God to do what only God can do. You're a citizen of heaven, church. These saints kept looking ahead. As you look at verses 14 to 16 there, you can see this. The emphasis is on the world to come. When you place too much emphasis on this world, you are always going to be disappointed. Always. I I have not met a person yet that if you sat down with them, you know, everything that's ever happened in my entire life is exactly what I wanted. I haven't met anybody like that. I don't care how much money they have or don't have. doesn't matter where they live or don't live. It's not possible to actually make us completely okay with everything that ever happens. And so if you want a solution to that, be looking forward to a better country that's been guaranteed by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You see, when I look forward to heaven, and I really look at this life as something that is can be joyful and wonderful, but at the end, a lot of times, we just simply have to tolerate our time here on earth, don't we? Don't we? It's like any of you, we're about to come to the end of the year. What happens between then and April 15th? Los Angeles has some of the highest property taxes in the entire country. And so we're all, it's like we're all going, yes, our houses went up. And then you look at the assessment on your house and you're like, oh no. (laughs) Nobody likes writing that check. Like they already have enough of my money. But we like living in Los Angeles. We got the weather. It's like, but I don't want to write the check. Someday you're not going to write a tax check anymore. Because there's no taxes in heaven. Amen. That day's coming. That's ahead. We look forward to that. In the meantime, we kind of have to endure. Well, if I want to live in Southern California, I got to write LA County a really fat check for the value of my house, which actually I haven't realized yet until I sell it. You ever notice that? You get to pay taxes on it until you leave, and then it's like you gave away most of the money that you made in equity by paying taxes to the county. It's like there's a lot of things in life that are like that. Don't despair. Look ahead. That city is the city that Jesus was talking about in John 14. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you might be also. Remember what they were kind of getting at, the disciples? They're like, well, where's that, Lord? Is that like East Jerusalem? Sort of like some place that, you know, outside of town that's really nice. And Jesus said, now you know the way. He said, I'm the way and I'm the truth. And no one's going to get there except by me. Church, we look forward to that mansion, that heaven, just like Abraham. That heaven, Satan is fully defeated in that heaven. Amen? 
Revelation 20 to 22 kind of gives you those truths of some of the things that await us when we finally get to our actual real home. Right now you're in a tent. Death itself is defeated. All this crazy stuff, if you really look at it, a lot of the arguing that goes on right now in the world about the things that are going on with regard to mask and no mask and vaccine and no vaccine and COVID and I don't think it's real and all that stuff, it all revolves around one subject matter, death. The only reason we're talking about it is death. That's it. If people weren't dying, we would not be talking about it. But people are dying. So it's become a big thing. When you get to heaven, no more death. Satan couldn't use COVID in heaven because he can't get in. He's going to be dealt with. His primary tool, death, dealt with. There'll be no sin. That's going to be banished. It's crazy. That's what we look forward to, church. That's what we look forward to. No sin, no death, no devil. No more tears, no more sorrow. Fullness of joy. I'm ready. Let's go. That's why we preach the gospel. It's like, Lord, come get us. Your real faith is really going to be tested, as we see in verses 17 to 18. They were looking for something better. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested. Do you think that was a test? Church, you think Abraham's test was a test? Think about what he's being asked to do. God has made a promise with him that through him all of the nations of the earth will be blessed and his descendants will be as numerous as the sands of the sea and the stars of heaven and he ain't got no kids. Think about it. And he's wandering around, he's looking at his wife, he looks in the mirror, he takes out his bronze mirror, and he's like, oh boy, this is not good. There's a certain amount of truth in Abraham's story. Okay, so now they've got Isaac. Sarah's cracking up. She's actually going to have a baby, and it's a male child. God can keep his promise. It's going to be okay. And God says, I want you to kill him. I want you to take an offering as a sacrifice. Can you imagine what was going through Abraham's heart? Can you imagine what that journey to Moriah was like? Abraham, no doubt, wanted to die himself. It's like, Lord, take me, save the boy. Real faith is really tested. God very often puts on the altar of faith the thing that you most trust in. Do you hear what I just said? God very often puts on the altar of faith the thing that you most trust in. Why? Because thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
That's why. Because sometimes your kids are your God. Sometimes your career is your God. Sometimes your bank account's your God. Sometimes your leisure life is your God. Sometimes your politics is your God. Sometimes your social stances are your God. So God puts on the altar of faith that thing in which you most hope and trust so that you will have no other gods but him. Nowhere to go, nowhere to turn except Jesus. Real faith is really tested. Always has been, always will be. And here's the great thing. That if you're really walking in faith, it's going to pass the test. You're going to go, you're right, Lord. I've been clinging to my relationship with my children more than I've been clinging to the cross of Christ. I've been clinging to my profession more than I have been clinging to your grace that you've given me as a gift. And so I don't say this, the Bible doesn't say it, to discourage you, but to encourage you to set your priorities correctly. To say, Lord, if you need to take something out of my life, it's surrendered willingly to you. And if you think of the story, and all you have to do is Genesis 12 to 22 and and just read those chapters. Isaac is a young man. Abraham is an old man. Let's just be really, really clear here. If Isaac didn't want to go to that mountaintop to be sacrificed, there was no way Abraham was going to take him out. Abraham was already in the hands of God when they started the journey. You were already in the hands of God when you started your journey of faith. Maybe you just didn't recognize it. And so you've been resting and hoping and trusting in other things, and all of a sudden they come crashing down. When you read those chapters in Genesis, you're going to come with a lot of questions. There's actually about 12 tests or so. There's certainly identifiably 12 difficult ones for Abraham, or fairly difficult How about do you trust God for your future? That was Abraham's first test. Do you trust God for your future? Or do you just trust you? Or are you trusting in our government? Are you trusting in someone or something else for your future other than God? Do you trust in God to be fair when the world is unfair? Abraham had to go through that test. The world was, that he lived in was unfair. He goes through this drastic separation with his nephew, Lot. He's well settled. Things are going good. And, it, and his family gets in trouble. Abraham wasn't in trouble. His family was in trouble. That's why he had to leave. It wasn't his own doing. Do you trust God when life is unfair? Like Abraham, are you willing to start a journey that you don't have all of the steps told to you ahead of time? 
Are you willing to put one foot in front of the other in faith? Or are you one of those Christians that has to have everything mapped out before you even take the first step? Again, just read those chapters and see if you can find some of these things for yourself. Real faith is really tested and it boils down to how much you trust God. Notice in verse 19, and I ask you this question, when was the last time, church, I love you, when was the last time, when was the last time you can honestly say you took a real step of faith? Something that was going to cost you. Something that was going to be difficult. Something that was going to be hard. Something that required ultimate rest and trust in God's abilities and not your own. When was the last time? And this is not to be critical, and it's not to point fingers. But it is to say, when we trust God... We live in a different place. We live in a different place when you trust God. When you say, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm not sure all of the stops along the way. But I believe you've called me to step out in faith. Maybe for some of you, that's to take your first mission trip. You're like, oh, I don't know if I can go to a land where I don't speak the language. For some of you, it might be getting to know somebody who isn't the same race as you. For some of you, it may be changing careers. For some of you, it's waiting for that perfect person that God has planned for you as a spouse. For some of you, It may be your children. Have you really prayed by faith for your kids? How much do you trust God? With Abraham, it was to the point of God raising Isaac from the dead. That's a lot of trust. That's all the way to Jesus the Messiah. Because that's what was at stake. That's what was at stake. If you don't raise Isaac up from the dead, then the lion dies right here. And the lineage of the Messiah is broken. The Bible is not true. And God's a liar. That's a lot of faith. That's the kind of faith I want to have. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. They were kind of a little bit of trouble, weren't they? It's like you're you're blessing your boys, but you know neither one of them's got the brain God gave a toothpick. It's like they're fighting over food. Who's going to get the blessing? By faith, he blessed them anyway. So God, you're going to have to sort it out. Maybe it was my parenting skills that got us into this spot. But he blesses them anyway. 
You see, no doubt Abraham understood because Moses had made it clear. You know, Kerry Job did not write the song, The Blessing. That's actually found in Numbers chapter 6. It's actually the ironic blessing that every father gave to every son and to their children and to their children and to their children's children. The Lord bless thee and the Lord keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. The Lord grant you peace. Abraham was faithful to just say what God said. How much do you trust God? Because if you trust him that much, you're going to start seeing some of those glimmers of faith come alive in your life. And it's going to be mind-bogglingly wonderful. And it will be faith that's going to get you through into the future. Those final two verses. These blessings that are passed on, you know, a pretty good chunk of the time by faith. Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. Joseph was the younger. He was not the older. And he doesn't even bless Joseph. He blesses Manasseh and Ephraim. He had to trust God. It's like, man, this is, this is what the world's telling me I should do. I should bless my firstborn. But God, you're telling me I need to bless these others. Are you willing to do what God wants you to do? That's faith for the future. Because your life isn't always going to be filled with immediate answers. Everything in your family may not go well. You, you may reach times in your life where you're just like, Lord, where are you? You think Abraham was a little lonely on the journey from Haran to Canaan? You think he had a couple of moments of doubt? He got halfway there and he's looking back at the journey and looking ahead at what lies ahead. He's going, Lord, did I hear from you correctly? But Abraham believed God for faith for the future. He said, Lord, you started me on this journey. You caused me to take the first step, and I know you'll see me to the last step. And so if you tell me to go, I'm going to go. And I'm going to be faithful until I get home. That's what Abraham did. Ultimately, Jacob is going to follow in his footsteps and the 12 sons will do the same. They won't do it perfectly and you won't do it perfectly and neither have I. As you might imagine, I got a few emails this last week. My perfection has been questioned. And I finally just had to say, you know what? God spoke. God's calling. God's doing a work. And I trust him. Amen? And here's the good news. We're all in it together. So it's going to be awesome. Amen? He's the one that will never leave us or forsake us. He's the one who was and is and is to come. 
He's the author of our eternity. He's the one that holds the very breath of our life in his hands. And he is always faithful. Amen. Would you stand? And I want to read to you Paul's valedictory address. While Alex is getting ready for us to worship, Paul writes in the second letter to Timothy in chapter 4 and verse 6 and says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand, and I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and here's the important part, I have kept the faith. And finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, not to me only, but to all who loved his appearing. Amen? That's all of you. That's all of us. That's not just me. That's all of us. We're all on that journey. We may be in different spots on the road. We may be in different vehicles. But we're all going to get there one day by faith. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are good and your mercy endures forever. And Lord, this journey that we're on, we are on that road with you and with each other. And so we're grateful, Lord, when you test our faith. Father, we thank you that you are always faithful. And we pray, Lord, as we ponder things that may be difficult steps that you want us to take, would you give us strength and boldness? Would you capture our hearts again afresh and anew as when we first gave our lives to you, that excitement of our salvation, might it be alive in us? Lord, prepare the way for your coming. Lord, help us to be busy about you, our Father's business. We trust you, Lord, and we rest by faith in who you are and what you want to do with us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.